welcome to the wit to s podcast. I'm Steve Lewis Brammer. The aim of this podcast is to help salespeople, sales managers and business owners increase the sales, improve the profits and beat the competition. This is episode 9, the greatest sales motivational story ever told. The story I'm about to tell is, for me, the greatest sales motivational story ever told. I first heard it over two decades ago in the supercharged selling program by New York-based sales trainer and motivational speaker, Warren Gresh's. I used to listen to the program continuously on audio cassette in my car as I drove up and down the UK visiting prospects and customers. Warren kindly gave me permission to use it as a wit to s podcast, And in return, I'll give Warren's details at the end for those of you interested in obtaining a copy of his supercharged selling program on audiobook. I highly recommend it. In retelling it, I've amended the story slightly to reflect it being set in the UK, as well as to bring it up to date, and trust I do it justice. The story concerns Eddie, a Londoner who survived a tough upbringing. Despite being exposed to a potential life of crime, he'd resisted temptation and had become a law-abiding, hard-working citizen. Eddie was working as a labourer for a firm of builders, where he'd been employed for nearly 18 months, the first real long-term job he'd ever had, with all his previous work being on temporary contracts. Going into work one morning, he found the manager waiting for him and was told to go straight to the site office. There, the manager explained that the company was experiencing difficult times. They'd not been paid by their client, and as a result, cash flow was really tight. He explained that they operated a strict last-in, first-out policy. And despite Eddie being a good worker, reliable, honest, and always doing everything that was asked of him well and giving his all, regrettably, this meant that Eddie was out of a job. Well, as you can imagine, Eddie was devastated. Being a labourer, his job didn't pay particularly well, and renting a flat for him, his wife and his two children wasn't cheap in London. His wife's part-time work and Eddie's job barely made ends meet, and as a result they had no savings to fall back on. It was the worst possible news that Eddie could have had, and he was desperate to find a job so he could pay that month's rent, pay the bills and pay for the food. After the manager finished talking, he shook Eddie's hand, gave him a reference letter stating how hard it worked, and gave the reason for his dismissal, making it clear that the situation was in no way a reflection on him. The manager said he would gladly re-employ Eddie when things picked up, but couldn't say when that may be, and Eddie couldn't wait. He told him that he hoped the letter would help him find work quickly, but Eddie barely took everything in. He was in shock. Wandering out of the site that he'd been working on for a couple of weeks in the centre of London, Eddie found himself walking around the streets thinking what he could do. Things flashing through his mind but nothing clear, he realised he was close to St Paul's Cathedral and decided to go in. It wasn't the first time that Eddie had gone into St Paul's as he and his family had attended a number of services there and as he walked he saw a familiar face. Recognising him, a pastor came over, concerned that he didn't look too good. 
She asked him what he was doing in church on a weekday and Eddie told her all about losing his job. I'm glad you came to see me, Eddie, as I believe I can help you. If you're open to do any type of work, then my friend is principal at King's College near here and I know he mentioned to me that they're looking for a new member of the caretaking team. I don't know what it pays, but it's something. I'll give him a ring now and see if he can meet with you. So the pastor called the principal, gave her recommendation about Eddie's character, explained that he was trustworthy, honest, and she described him as a good man, and arranged for Eddie to go straight there. Appreciating what she'd done for him, the smile returned to Eddie's face, and he couldn't thank the pastor enough. When he arrived at King's College, he was met by the principal. He told him all about the job that he'd lost and showed him the reference letter that described what a hard worker he was. That's excellent, Eddie, said the principal. You sound just like the type of person we're looking for. And who knows, in a few years' time, if you're working as it sounds like you will, when our current head caretaker reaches retirement age, you can progress into that role. Well, Eddie was delighted to hear that. And after briefly discussing the caretaking role, the principal offered Eddie the job, which he gratefully accepted. As a matter of procedure, the principal said, I just need you to fill out this application form for our records. As he said the words though, the principal noticed that Eddie's face completely changed and that his smile disappeared. Do I need to complete it? Eddie asked. You see, I didn't really have the chance to go to school when I was younger. And as a result, I can't read or write. Does that matter? Well, the principal sat back in his chair and thought for a minute. I'm really sorry, Eddie. I'm afraid it does. You see, I'm the head of an educational institution. And we tell our students that an education is a valuable thing to have. If I'm seen to offer a job here to somebody with no real education, it won't go down well. And I'm afraid that on that basis... I won't be able to give you the job. Well, Eddie was devastated. Just as it seemed that things would go well, it had been cruelly snatched away from him. He empathised with the principal's situation, understood it wasn't personal, shook the principal's hand and headed for the door. Stop! Let me give you this, the principal said. I don't want to see you leave empty-handed. And the principal handed him a box of 12 cigars. Thanks, but I don't smoke, Eddie said. You keep them. No, really. Take them. They're a gift from a former student, thanking me for what we've done for her, as she's just got the job she's always wanted, explained the principal. Like you, I don't smoke either. But I'm thinking that this gift given to me could help you in some way. My student told me they're a really good quality cigar, and so they should be worth something. Maybe you can sell them to a tobacconist. At least it gives you a little bit of money to take home. Do you think I could? asked Eddie. Well, you could give it a try, said the principal. So Eddie shook his hand, thanked the principal for the box of cigars and left. Walking the streets again, Eddie found himself back amongst hundreds of tourists wandering around the Tower of London. And not really knowing the area well, he asked one of the visitor welcoming team if there was a local tobacconist nearby. By chance there was one, close on the edge of Paternoster Square, a short walk from the tower. So Eddie made his way there. On entering the shop, 
He introduced himself to the elderly gentleman behind the counter. Eddie proceeded to tell him about losing his job, his talk with the pastor in St Paul's Cathedral, and the job interview she had organised for him at King's College. He recounted how he was offered the job only to have the offer withdrawn immediately because he couldn't read or write. The principal gave me this box of cigars and said I may be able to sell them, he said. As you sell cigars, may I ask if you'd be interested in buying these from me? I'm sorry, Eddie, but I can't, the store owner replied. You see, I've been a reputable business here for more than 30 years. And if my customers learned I bought a box of cigars from someone who walked in here, even if the cigars are good, it would damage the reputation I've worked hard to build. And as he said it, the store owner could see this was the last thing Eddie wanted to hear. Feeling for him, the store owner tried to offer some help. What you could do, though, is sell them individually on the street outside. Are you aware this is the centre of the financial district and that the stock exchange is nearby? That's why we're still here when so many other tobacconists have closed and gone out of business in recent years. You see... When a trader or banker closes a big deal, it's tradition for them to celebrate with a cigar, and I sell quite a few in ones and twos. Do you think I could sell them? Eddie asked. Well, you could try, said the store owner. You just need a sign. Could you help me make one, as I can't read or write, asked Eddie. Sure I can, said the store owner, and he wrote out a sign on a piece of cardboard saying that the cigars were for sale at £5 each. So Eddie thanked the store owner for his help, and he went into Paternoster Square near the London Stock Exchange to see if anyone would buy a cigar from him. Several hours later, Eddie was back at the tobacconists. You won't believe it, he told the store owner excitedly. I've sold them all. Well done, said the tobacconist. That gives you something to take home, at least. Can I ask what a box of cigars like the ones I had would cost me to buy from you, inquired Eddie. Sure, £30 a box, replied the store owner, upon which Eddie decided to buy a box from the £60 that he'd made to replace the cigars he'd already sold. Then he took the remaining money home to his family. The next morning, Eddie was back early with his sign, selling individual cigars for £5 a piece. And once again, later that day, he returned to the store to buy another box. He did the same the following day, the next day, and so on. Whatever the weather, Eddie was in Paternoster Square from first thing in the morning to early evening, every Monday to Friday. He stood selling cigars in the sun, the wind, the rain, the sleet, and the snow. Hot or cold, over a period of months and then years, he came to be relied on by the traders who would immediately think of him as the go-to guy to celebrate their successes with, especially as he was always interested in what they'd done and congratulated them, seemingly enjoying their success as if it was his own. Because Eddie had worked hard, was dependable, and was always a pleasure to deal with, business had been good over the years, with Eddie managing to provide for his family as well as making enough money to save some in the bank. He always remembered, though, what had happened to him when he'd lost his labouring job, ensuring that he and his family weren't in that situation again. And every time Eddie needed cigars to sell, 
he'd return to the same tobacconist to buy new boxes, as over time he was selling multiple boxes per day, becoming the store's best customer in the process, as well as forming a real friendship with the store owner. Then one day, entering the store, Eddie saw there was a sign up above the door and wondered what was going on. It's time for me to retire, my friend, the store owner said. I'm selling the store, Eddie. Who knows, maybe you could buy it and come in from out of the cold, he said half-jokingly. Do you think I could? asked Eddie. I don't see why not, the store owner said. You'll just need a million pound to do it. Phew, a million pound? That's a lot of money, said Eddie. How could I afford that? Well, I imagine you'll probably need to get a loan for it, replied his friend, realising that he was serious. Providing you've got some money saved up in your bank, you can always ask them, he continued encouragingly. A million pound? Do you think they'd lend it to me? asked Eddie. Well, you can ask. Then let's see. So Eddie went to his bank and he asked to see someone about a loan. Sitting with the loan officer, Eddie proceeded to tell her about losing his job as a labourer. His talk with the pastor at St Paul's and the interview at King's College and the job that was and then wasn't. He told her about the box of cigars, the tobacconist who made the cardboard sign and how he'd stood out in the sun, the wind, the rain, sleet and snow for years to sell cigars at £5 each. And finally he told her about the store for sale for a million pound and then he needed a loan to buy it. Wow! That's some story, said the banker. In principle, we could loan you the money, providing you have enough capital to support your application. Confused, Eddie explained that he couldn't read or write, and so he had no idea what capital was. Do you have any money? asked the banker. To which Eddie grabbed his paying-in book and replied, Yeah, I've got some money, and it's here in this bank. I have no idea how much I've got, though, as I can't read or write. But you can look at my paying in book, which will tell you, he said as he handed it to the loan officer. Well, she opened the book, and the smirk disappeared that she'd been not so successfully trying to hide from the street cigar vendor, who she considered crazy until a few seconds ago. That smirk now being replaced by a look of disbelief. The banker sat silently, looked at the book, then at Eddie. Looked back at the book, and again back at Eddie for what seemed like an age. Is this all from selling cigars for five pound each in Paternoster Square? She asked incredulously. Absolutely, replied Eddie. Why? Is there a problem? This is all from selling cigars at five pound each out in the square, she exclaimed. This is all from selling cigars at five pound each out in the square. This is incredible. Do you know how much money you've got in your account? She asked. No, I don't, said Eddie. I can't read. Sir, said the banker, seeing Eddie in a completely different light. You've got over £700,000 in this bank. £700,000, she repeated, still trying to come to terms with it. £700,000? And all from selling cigars for £5 each in the square, in the wind and the rain? And you can't read or write? She exclaimed in disbelief. Sir, you are a financial genius. Do you know where you could be now if you could read and write? 
Yes, I do, said Eddie. I could be head caretaker at King's College. (laughs) For me, it's the greatest sales motivational story ever told. I trust you enjoyed it as much as I did. It demonstrates that even though many of us can fall into selling, there's tremendous opportunity for salespeople who are willing to work hard and do the right things. Please check out Warren Gresh's website at www.gresh's.com. That's Golf, Romeo, Echo, Sierra, Hotel, Echo, Sierra. There you can hear his supercharged selling audiobook and you can hear Warren tell that story in its original version. I highly recommend it. It's great. As always, I wish you every success in all you do. Thanks for listening.